Hello, MD Roberts School of the Arts friends and family. Thanks so much for joining us for our first season of our podcast. I'm Ms. Long, the Fine Arts Magnet Lead Teacher and Orchestra Director. So far this season, you have heard about the orchestra, theater, band, chorus, dance, guitar, and media arts programs at MD Roberts School of the Arts. If you missed any of our episodes, please go back and listen to learn more about what we have to offer at our school. Today, I am joined by Mr. Edwards, our fantastic piano teacher. Hello, Mr. Edwards. Hi, Ms. Long. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Let's get started. How long have you been teaching and where did you go to school? I've been teaching for two years now. I went to the school at the University of Alabama, Roll Tide, for both my undergraduate degree in organ performance and my master's degree in music education. Why did you decide to teach piano? When I was looking for my first teaching job, I was primarily looking at high school and middle school choir teaching positions, since piano teaching positions are very rare, and most of my music education training was geared towards choir more than it was band and orchestra. However, one day my soon-to-be principal, Mrs. Stevens, called me saying she saw my application for choir teaching jobs elsewhere in Clayton County Public Schools, but that she had a new piano position opening up and would I be interested. I interviewed the next week and knew right away that it was the perfect fit, especially with my strong keyboard background. So do you also have a background in choir then? Uh, Definitely. I've been uh, on and off through high school and growing up, I was in children's choirs. And then when I got to the University of Alabama, I sung in university seniors for all five and a half academic semesters that I was there. And since high school and in college, I always had church music jobs, often as the organist, but then also later as an organist and choir master. Okay. And what does a choir master do? A choir master is another term for choir director. It's often applied in, in more liturgical settings, such as the Episcopal Church, um, mm-hmm. and which is where my church job was for the last four years of college. Okay. Anything else you'd like our listeners to know, uh, know about before we talk about piano? Well, my background in organ and keyboard helps me give my students broad insights into the vast world of keyboard instruments. And while the class is technically piano techniques, we learn about, see, and experience the endless ways the piano and keyboard knowledge and skills can be used to make music. Okay, well, I hope you're going to tell us a little bit more about that as we go on. Absolutely. So tell us about how you, uh, what you're teaching in your class and what you teach in each grade level. For all of my students, regardless of grade level, I've built and am continually developing a self-paced curriculum that allows each student to progress at a pace that is hopefully comfortable yet challenging. Most of my sixth grade and other incoming students start off at the same spot, learning the treble clef. However, any incoming student with some experience might sometimes be ready to start ahead in the curriculum or speed through the beginning foundational levels. The self-paced nature of this curriculum means that a seventh or eighth grade beginner can join the class and not feel left behind. That part of the curriculum emphasizes music reading. However, reading music is only one of several possible ways to learn music. Another way is by observing and copying others. In fact, this is the most fundamental way that we learn anything. Throughout the year, I have additional projects for the students. This past fall, I had the students create and share their own patterns called peer patterns. Then they learned some of each other's patterns. 
Next year, I might also add a project where the students create their own beats and possibly create variations on each other's beats. Another highly successful and engaging project has been song projects, where students can pick any songs they want to learn and learn them. This allows each student to pick their own method of learning. Some choose sheet music, but most choose tutorial videos. Since there's so many ways to learn music, I aim to provide my students with a myriad of strategies and techniques that they can take with them in their post-middle school musical journeys. Can you talk a little bit more about what the Peer Patterns project is? That sounds really interesting. So for Peer Patterns, students could create their own patterns or copy patterns from anywhere else. Uh, one common pattern that I got sometimes was Baby Shark or mm. Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Um, others created their own patterns where they went up chromatically, one key uh, next to the other. And still others invented their own patterns. And after four of those assignments, then students had the option of picking any of their patterns to share with everyone else. And then next, students had to pick a couple of their peers' patterns to learn. Okay, so the pattern can be rhythmic and melodic or just melodic, a melodic pattern? It could be either. Uh, it all depends on what the student decided to create at the keyboard. Okay, so they have a lot of freedom in that project of what they want to explore on the keyboard. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. If someone wants to apply an audition for piano, what should they do? They should complete the district's process to apply for magnet programs. And once that application goes through, then at the beginning of the audition season, I'll reach out, usually by email or sometimes through my Google Voice number, about how to complete the audition. The audition includes identifying notes on the treble clef staff and piano, identifying rhythms, identifying musical symbols, and answering the question, why do you want to learn piano? You can also optionally perform a piece or song of your choosing. What supplies do parents need to purchase for piano? No supplies are required, although I highly recommend having a piano or keyboard to practice on at home. At the moment, we have enough school keyboards for the classroom and for every eighth grade student who doesn't yet have one to check one out for practicing at home. This past year, we had enough for everyone to have one at home to check out, but that was only because of virtual learning. Once we're back in the classroom, that won't be available quite yet for all students. That's great that you're able to at least provide everybody something to use at school. And then at least for the eighth grade students to then be able to have something to take um, home to practice on. That's really great. Um, how much after school commitment do you require from your students? And on average, about how many evening or weekend performances do you do? There's no after school commitments required. However, there are several possible performing opportunities that students can pick from. They may choose to perform at the end of the school year in one of two recitals at Clayton County Public Schools Performing Arts Center. Additional performance opportunities uh, come up throughout the year too, including a recruitment show around October and potentially a collaboration with the visual arts and media arts classes and guitar classes for an art show. Can you talk a little bit about the art show? I know we, we really had wanted to do that back in 2020 and it wasn't able to happen. So we're looking forward to hopefully being able to do that in 2022. Do you have in your mind how exactly that'll work for the piano students? The way that I envision that working is the piano and guitar students prepare performances of songs of their choosing and also perhaps 
occasionally duets. For example, I had some students working together on Carol of the Bells and creating their own. I think there were four or five of them all playing at once. Oh, that's um, cool. So thing, something like that, where they're both featured as performers there, but also in, that, in the background with the art show, uh, which ideally would be held in the beautiful atrium that we have uh, down here in the magnet wing. Mm-hmm. So what kind of pianos do the students actually play on at the school? Are they the big pianos that you see on concert hall stages? Unfortunately, no. Mm-hmm. I, wish, I wish that we had some of those. Right. <laughs> um, but the, the keyboards that we have at school are five octave keyboards. Uh, the, fortunately, this year or last year, the keyboards were not touch sensitive, which means that no matter how hard you press the key, the volume was the same. Mm-hmm. However, this past year, we got some keyboards from a school that closed out its keyboard lab. And those keyboards are touch sensitive. So those are the ones that we're going to use in school. And then the other ones will be able to be checked out to the other students. Uh, mm-hmm. Long-term goals will, will include getting a full-sized 88 key weighted keyboards or digital pianos for the class. Another dream of mine would be to have a theater organ in the classroom. Oh, okay. All right. Well, what, what exactly does that look like? It looks like a, to describe it using words only is kind of difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a, a theater organ uh, would have at least two rows of keyboards, which are called manuals. Mm-hmm. And then the way the theater organs look is the stop. Uh, the, the stops are arranged in a horseshoe shape around the top of the keyboards above the keyboards and those are what control the different sounds that come out of the organ and then there's also a pedal board that's usually about 32 notes and that's kind of like the base for the organ one another feature in piano class is the bell ringers uh, typically as students come into the class there's a bell ringer piece that's playing and the students describe what they hear in both musical terms and in colloquial terms, terms that you use in everyday life. And then we have a class discussion on that. These bell ringers are often chosen from student suggestions from a, what I call a Johann suggestion box. <laughs> That's a play on the, the famous Baroque composer, Johann Sebastian Bach. Right. <laughs> For those who happen to not know that. But um, (laughs) it's a great opportunity for students to have lots of input into the songs that we listen to with that. Uh, But also I pick a lot of music that, that, as I've said before, or or as I've alluded to before, shows students so many ways of learning, of using keyboard knowledge. Um, And of the organ performances that I've featured in the Bell Ringers, the theater organ seems to be the most accessible and the most engaging and exciting for the students. Okay. So someday I'd like to be able to have a theater organ in the classroom for the students to be able to experience firsthand like that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, Just for those people who are listening who don't know what a bell ringer is, a bell ringer is when students first come into a classroom. It's something that the teachers have on the board or on... um, uh, on our screen where they know exactly what to do when they come in. So it's some kind of activity that the students will start working on while the teacher is still in the um, at the doorway, welcoming students in and monitoring the hallway. 
So it gives the students um, an activity to begin working on. So in his class, they come in and they're starting to listen to music right away, um, which is always a great thing to expose students to a variety of music styles because there's just so much out there with music mm -hmm. and there's uh, no way that students have heard all the different genres that there, there are in music. Um, unless they have a parent at home who really uh, makes it a point to listen to a wide variety of pieces. I know in orchestra for me, I um, we listen to jazz, we listen to fiddle, we listen to classical, we listen to pop. It's just, there's such a much wider variety in music education than I think people really realize. Absolutely. And people, when they think of piano techniques, they often think of something like uh, Chopin or Mozart or Beethoven. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the first Belvingers that we this, that we had this year was a rap uh, was a rap parody of Beethoven's uh, Fur Elise, and mm -hmm. it took some elements, some some sound elements from that, but put it in a rap context with uh, building a loop, mm -hmm. uh, which is a short type of repetition, and. Uh, the Belvin is an amazing opportunity for students to build connections and to build on their knowledge of music that they listen to every day mm -hmm. and build that all in and for them to see how it's all connected together. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you go on any field trips with your students? We haven't gone on any field trips yet. Uh, I've said how this is my second year of teaching. And no year for me has been normal yet because of COVID. Right. <laughs> the, my, my first year, we weren't going to really do any field trips, but then things shut down. And then this year, we haven't been able to. Um, mm -hmm. But hopefully next year will be a little bit more normal. And hopefully we'll be able to take a field trip or two starting next year. One place I'd love to take my students to is Ivy Hall, which is right down the road from us mm -hmm. for a piano and organ crawl. They've got a wonderful performance space there and a very well-known pipe organ. Mm -hmm. Plus, I happen to know the organist there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be an amazing opportunity for my students to experience that firsthand, especially because it's right down the road from us. Right. And Spivey Hall, really, I don't know if people are really aware that in Clayton County, how special Spivey Hall really is. There are performers from all over the world that come to play on that stage um, mm -hmm. and it's a really well-known um, performance space and it has great acoustics and it's just a really great space to play in. And the audience and the performers are relatively close to each other. It's not like being in a large symphony hall. The, the, the stage is relatively close to the audience. So it's a really intimate experience for the students to be able to um, go into that hall and, and really be able to communicate with the people that are on the stage. I know a lot of the children's performances that are done there, the, um, the performer will actually ask questions to the audience. Absolutely. Anything else you would like to share about yourself or about the piano program? Mainly that I'm excited for next year. Uh, as I mentioned, hopefully it'll be the first mostly normal school year right. of my teaching career. Um, and hopefully that, that greater sense of normalcy will open up so many more wonderful opportunities and experiences for all piano students at MD Roberts. Yes. And I did want to mention again, I mentioned this in a couple of the other podcasts, 
We have um, guitar, media, arts, and piano that are really all new programs. So they really haven't gotten to do as many of the activities that you've heard from some of the other groups because they're still in their infant stages because their, their first year was kind of cut short by the pandemic. So it is really exciting. It's an exciting time to be a part of MD Roberts because there's so many things that the teachers here really are passionate about and want to expose the students to. And we're excited for things to get back to normal so that we can really start doing some more activities and field trips and, and just be able to do all the things we've been dreaming about during this virtual time. Mm -hmm. um, piano has kind of always been a part of the program, but it was very different when the magnet program first started. So I know there may be some of you who have been listening there thinking, well, we have always had piano because it used to be that the piano class was really tied into band, orchestra, and chorus. Now that it's separated out, the students get so much more time on the pianos because when it was when the piano lab was split between three classrooms, it really became something that they were only able to go to once or twice a week and um, in the in our classrooms, they were morally more focused on the theory side than actually applying it to the keyboard. So for those of you who are listening who maybe were a part of band, orchestra, and chorus back when the programs first started, the piano program is very different now. And I really like how Mr. Edwards has made it um, very student driven. So it, it's really whatever level you're at, he's going to take you from that starting place and move you forward. So if you're starting at an advanced level, he's going to move you forward from there. You won't be held back by waiting on the beginning students. Um, so I really think that's a cool thing about his uh, piano program. Mm -hmm. In some of my experiences uh, in college, I've seen some piano programs where the teacher has everyone trying to do the same thing all at the same mm -hmm. time and it it was very difficult because the more advanced students there were bored out of their minds right and some of the more some of the students who needed more time on the material never really established those any foundational skills that they right. needed by the time they got to higher levels right and um, as i continue to develop this curriculum uh, i'm going to eventually have additional exercises within each level that a student can do to continue to build those skills if necessary within that level. Mm -hmm. um, and also to help that student not get so bored with the same materials the entire time. That sounds great. Well, that's all for us today. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to share this podcast with other Robert's friends and families. And if you know any elementary student who is interested in the fine arts, please share this so they can learn more about our programs here at MD Roberts School of the Arts. Our podcast is now found wherever you listen to your podcast. Have a great day. Bye.